0: Hey, Amen. You're gonna need your notebooks today. Very much so. Probably a lot of paper. Hey, Amen. Um. Hey. hey! Did y'all see my post on Saturday? Yeah. On the group me? Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness, yeah. oh, my goodness. Mount Gerizim! Mm-hmm. Fighting on the mountain itself! the very mountain we talked about now you know I try to tell people okay you know i am like oh what do you think about the war la 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 right and they give me their opinion and you know yada 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 and then I'm like well you know the Lord gave us this and I tried to explain to them how the Lord gave us this information before the war started anybody tried to do that yet has anybody tried to do that with somebody you knew Okay, I tried to do it with some people, and it's like, they're not giving me back the level of excitement or concern I think they should be giving us. And this is the thing, because if I, if, if I come to you and I say, mm, this war with Israel, yeah, it's messed up, isn't it? Yeah, it's terrible, terrible, terrible. It's, just, it's real bad. But, you know, the Lord had told us uh, a week before the war about the expansion of Israel into their land. And then the next week, he told us about uh, to watch out for Golan Heights. And then that week, Golan Heights was attacked. And then the next week, he told us to look out for the the city of Nebles. And then Nebles was attacked. And then two weeks ago, the last message I gave, I said, Mount Gerizim. And then last night, Mount Mount Gerizim was hit. I do not work for the FBI or the CIA. (laughs) (laughs) Don't nobody know me. But you would think if you tell somebody that god is giving warning before the occasion and they get a chance to hear the warning that they'll be like oh my goodness oh my goodness i need to go to church i need to do something it's they just like oh that's interesting so now try to stack the deck well when there was covid you know you know see this and, and you you saw COVID, right okay so so now we had that information before anybody knew that COVID was coming to america right and so i try to stack it like since you hear some something that did come to pass and they're still like oh wow that's weird weird Weird? i feel like i'm giving you a warning forget what you heard it's about to go down I know the church been saying, Jesus coming back any day now, Jesus coming back any day now. And we've been saying it for so long, but it has not changed the idea that you're not living like he's about to come back any day now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So then when somebody extends a warning to say, hey, I don't know how we got this information, but the Lord gave us this. And it's been boom, 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 right on track every every week, every week. Yeah. every week. And we, we took it as a warning. We starting to stockpile stuff, and got some dry goods, and some pastas, and you know, hello, y'all got your your list, right, some preparation lists, you know? Only one person took me seriously, was like, but now can I get that list? I'm like, yes, you can have the list. And I told them when to hit purchase on the major expenses. And it's getting to that point, right? And I just, they're not giving me back the level of concern, uh, maybe even gratefulness to God that they heard the information. And, and I could just imagine how the flood went down. Because if, if I saw Noah his whole, a whole year just building this massive thing that ain't nobody ever seen or thought that they would ever need talking about how water going to rain down from the heavens and nobody's ever seen anything like that. And when he keeps pointing to the work going, where else could I get this idea from? Where else can I get this idea from? Where else? And then, this is the funny part, when it starts to rain and all the animals and start moving towards him, you just see herds of camels, just, you know, everybody's going in that direction and they're like, hmm, that's, that's interesting. Look at the birds. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, did you, not, did you not see it? And it's like we have been, generation after generation, so used to hearing that Jesus is coming back that when the signs are right in front of us for this day and age, we still don't even believe it. And I just, I'm flabbergasted. I'm like, wow, it's really going down and people are really... Not concerned really really not concerned there's a meme I saw and the man said when you look at the Bible you realize everything is going down you're not married you don't have no kids you be like wait hold on for a second it's funny it's like yeah you wanted to accomplish some stuff Ooh. we don't know the day or the hour nobody does but as you guys have recalled, on two weeks ago, we looked at Samaria. Um, and I showed you how the Samaritans are still alive. Yeah. Samaritans being the woman at the well, Jacob's well, the song y'all just sung. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yes. On Mount Gerzim, yeah. Same one. when Jesus ran to this woman, they had a conversation about where to worship. And she said, the Jews say we should worship in Jerusalem. Um. But, you know, we said we should worship here at Jacob's well, Jacob being the same as Israel, okay? His name was changed from Jacob to Israel. I'm trying to help help you understand. Because where I'm about to go next, you about, you're going to be real lost, okay, if you can't. Just, all right? So I'm trying to help bring you back to where we are, okay? Okay, so... Um, the woman at the well said where should we worship you know you guys say there we say here on Mount Gerizim and Jesus told her in short uh, there the day is now and is coming where you will either worship here or in Jerusalem all right and what we come to find out is the here is Samaria because she was a Samaritan the well was Jacob's well which is on Mount Gerizim near the city of Nablus okay all right okay now we found out that the Samaritans are still sacrificing lambs and doing their same rituals as always without any stop they never stopped and so what I find is so funny is that right there in front of us as the Holy Spirit apparently very much so revealed that he said they will not worship here or in Jerusalem and so up until recently it would appear as if they have been wor- worshiping on that mountain since Jesus had this conversation with this woman. Their population dwindled down to 150, all right? They started intermarrying and then and, and chromosomes got a crazy. And so now they're starting to marry outside of their lineage and they're marrying women from Ukraine. Ukraine, Ukraine, right? And so their population has increased about 800 or so, which is good for them. But just yesterday, that mountain was attacked. Now, I don't know if they're still going to be able to worship yet. We won't know until Passover, April 23rd of next year. If April 23rd of next year, that situation is still going awry, and they're not able to actually go to that mountain and worship, mm-hmm. we have a problem. Yeah. Right? Right? Because we already know they haven't been able to worship in Jerusalem. That happened yeah. in in Jesus' day. I mean, after he was, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that happened then. But then now it's going to be even, it's going to be, the, the last part has been accomplished. And they're not able to worship on Mount Gerizim, right? Um, some other good information I just think I'd share with you guys, because I can find that sometimes you don't know what I, I think you, I think you would know, okay? So, <laughs> It's not just that Israel is such a a dominating force at this point, because there have been so many wars between Israel and Palestine for years and years and years and years and years and years and years. years years. All right. The situation here is that Israel is the last democratic nation within all of the Arab nations that surround it. Okay. The last one, right? Everybody else is an autocracy. Everybody else is ran by one person indefinitely, okay? In some format, okay? All right. Um, Now, Ukraine is the last democratic nation on the side near Russia. The last one that was in the USSR that's democratic. Everybody else went under Putin's rule, okay? Okay, so Ukraine is the last democratic nation um, over there uh, near Russia so uh, and that war has been going on already right and then this war has started yes all right and it looks like all the Arab nations are stacking up all right the leader of Hezbollah was like we are coming for you Hamas said come on in if you want to everybody is stacking up Yeah? yeah and then two what four days ago China invaded who Taiwan some of y'all didn't even know that and the ones that didn't know is because I told you all right <laughs> about four or five days ago China invaded Taiwan and in pattern you can see Taiwan is the last democratic, democratic nation all right on that side of the Eastern world the last one so as you can see It is problematic because the world is beginning to divide and fight regarding democracies against autocracies. Yes? Yes. So it's not just, Ooh, it's about Israel. No, there are some other things that are moving that are causing other nations to begin to take sides. And whether you want to take a side or not, Oh, I'm for Israel. Oh, I'm for Palestine is irrelevant because democracy is going to be on the chopping block. Yeah. They just have not switched to that narrative as of yet. But when they do, I'm a posting <laughs> Right? When, they, because that's the only thing, because right now too many people are pro Palestinian, yeah. right? Not even recognizing what they're asking. And just to give some of you some background, because I know a lot of us have been watching the Palestinian War and all the massacres and all the children, um, but did anybody see the clip of the children shouting, we will never leave? Yeah, yeah. Some, no, most of you didn't, right? Right, the kids are in the shelters and the adults had them shouting, we will never leave, we will never leave. And so what they haven't been discussing is that the Palestinians and the Hamas, not only are they, does the Hamas use civilians, but they instruct and indoctrinate the children to say when you die, you die as a martyr. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that it's good that you stand on your land and never leave. Yes. Uh. But they're not telling everybody that. Right. They're not showing all the times that a man will say, I'm not leaving my country, right? And then Sorry, I'm just gonna tell everybody what I, what I think about this. And then, how many times have we heard it's mostly women and children? Yes. Uh, mostly women. Where are the men? Korea. Where are the men? Because Hamas soldiers wear plain clothes. Right. So, when everybody's saying all oh, the poor Palestinians, the poor Palestinians, the men are fighting with Hamas. Right. Yeah. Because it's mostly women and children in the homes. Because the men are out. Because in my opinion, if the men are surviving, then take the women and kids wherever y'all are. Right. Right. No one's putting that together, are they? No, because as long as you see pain and suffering and they pull on your emotional cords because your emotions are so out of whack, you do not cognitively think. They get to program you to think and feel. And you, you think you came up with that decision on your own. And you didn't. It was fed to you programmed diabolically, right? I'm not, I'm not condoning bloodshed of innocent civilians on any turn, but I do think they owe it to all of us to tell the truth, plainly, that they're indoctrinated to stay. The reason, look, Afghanistan kicked out all the Pakistanians by November 1st, 1.2 million. Guess where they were by November 1st? On the highway out. So when they tell you the line that says, how could we move 3.2 million? 1.2 million without any guns or bombs, packed up their stuff, put it in their cars and they oxes and got on out the way. They did, that's what they had. <laughs> they did, 1.2 million. Well where's, where's the headlines on that? The idea is you don't want to move because you don't want to move. You don't want to move because you don't want to move your women and kids are dying because you offer them up which is true biblically of the philistines that philistines were always sacrificing babies and the palestinians are descendants from philistines i am not condoning any massacre okay at all but if you decide to come on my land Take my civilians and murder them. You then cannot decide how I'm about to treat you. But they were disenfranchised and apartheid and they were under strict rule. Listen, let me tell you something very clearly. This is the world, baby. This is the world. You think there's one nation that has power that's not going to try to, to a conquer to conquer another nation that doesn't have power? If your nation doesn't have power, then you are supposed to submit and surrender to the nation that does. That's the world, not the kingdom of God, the world. Right? So if you didn't like it to the Gaza Strip and the West Bank, then maybe you should have considered taking out of your constitution with the Hamas that your desire is to kill every Jew. All the other Arab nations removed those lines out of their declarations and constitutions so that they could be able to trade with everyone, right? But the Hamas, which is a government, in gaza strip not just a bunch of ragtag terrorists you know oh, we don't know what we're doing no no very organized like he gives speeches the president of the mosque and the the, the commander gives speeches wear suits y'all, we don't see it on our news breaks do we no yeah just coat it ain't even like in shadow no <laughs> here he is you want him there he is go get him because it doesn't work that way Cause these are nations in wars fighting not a whole nation against a little skirmish of people no right okay um, I'm glad I gave you some information that was good. amen come on and bless the name of the Lord I, 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 I don't want you to pick a side because I have a side all right because the only side I'm on is the side of the Lord that's it that that's it I was the only one I care about right and God has been known to punish Israel and to deliver Israel right. why because Israel has been known to be for God and against God right. so if de facto, I don't know what to pray for because it is above me Amen. make sense Amen. it's above me it is just above my pay grade and I tell the Lord that in prayer the first time they went to war I got on my knees and I prayed, I said, Lord, please heal, fix, prevent, the, go to the palate." I don't even know what to tell you that you should do. So how about I just shut up? Cause it's too complex. It's too many generations, too many ages, both in the past and to come. And my view and your view is so limited because most of our view is really only within our lifespan, which is a grain of sand in comparison to the age of nations. So I have no way of praying what I think God should do, but you know why I cry every night? It's cause I can't imagine the pain that God feels watching this type of bloodshed year after year, country after country. These are his kids. We are his kids, and we just devour one another. You just devour one another. I mean, wholeheartedly. And he has to watch his kids destroy his kids. He has to watch the hatred, and the malice, and the disunity we have for one another. And it breaks my heart, because he's really nice. He's the nicest kindest person I've ever met. And the only thing I could tell him is I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Please forgive us. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. That's all I could say to him. I can't imagine what you feel age after age. Not because he needs me to say it, he's fine. (laughs) But I just can't help myself. Because when you love somebody, you never want them to hurt. Amen? Amen. Come on and bless the name of the Lord. So if you want to know whose side Pastor's on, she's on the Lord's side. Period. And and, and heck with everybody else. (laughs) If you want me to be concerned with you, be on the Lord's side. Amen? Amen. If not, I got one chance to evangelize you, and then I'm moving on. Okay, so this is all related to our topic. (laughs) Because there are things that we wish we could say when I tell people, look at how God is warning us. You know, look how he does. And I know it's just not our church. He's got to do it in other churches and other ministries across the world, right? right. But he is sending a warning out to say, uh, wake up, Christians, right? Yeah. But what I, the problem I have is that they really don't wake up. And I be thinking, go to church now, right? Like as soon as I would hear, be, oh, my God, I got to get my stuff together. Satan will not stop me from going to church today. And that is not the case. Why is it? That when we think we should change, we don't have the ability to change. Does anybody know that? Why is it when we have the desire to change, we don't have the ability to change? Why is that? And that no matter what we think we're doing, we look back, hindsight, and realize it was the same doggone pattern as the last time? Hello? Hello? Anybody? No? No? You can run down your list and say, I need to do this, take care of this. I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to talk to that person again. I'm not going to go down. And I'm not going to handle a relationship like that. I'm not even thinking about relationships. I'm not even going. Th- I mean, you just run down the list yeah. Yeah, only to find yourself back Jesus. unchanged, unreformed. So today we're looking at reformation through change reformation through change and to me that seems redundant like if you're reformed then you're changing (laughs) but the way the Lord revealed it today is we are reformed through change and it's all kinds of things that have to change let's look at Luke for a second Luke chapter 23 Luke 23 are you there verse 32 Here's a point in scripture where I think people should have some conclusions, all right? That if you're ever going to know who you really are, this is the moment that you see for yourself who you really are, in my opinion. Because the three characters involved here are all dying. Luke chapter 23, verse 32 two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him, him being Christ. And when they came to the place that is called the skull there, they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments and the people stood by watching, but the rulers, scoffed at him saying he saved others let him save himself if he is the Christ of God his chosen one the soldiers mocked him coming up and offering him sour wine and saying if you are the king of the Jews save yourself it was also an inscription over him this is the king of the Jews Stop right there um I've got problems with this verse it's around the area where Jesus says they know not what they do really jesus they don't know i don't even know how he says that they know exactly what they're doing because even when you say it out loud the amount of compassion and forgiveness and honesty that you have they will still say "I, I, I, i i i i'll bet you for his coat for his shirt i'll gamble you for his for his shoes Cause it's going to be worth something. You know, he's a big deal. I mean, I ain't into it, but Hey, this is about to be worth something. And they gamble for his belongings in front of him. They literally cruise. He did not get on the cross himself. They put him on it. What? How do you, how do you nail somebody's hand to some wood and they feet and not know what you're doing? when Jesus says forgive them for they know not what they do I'm like excuse me I think they really did but Jesus doesn't lie so now I'm stuck with this conundrum (laughs) if you don't lie and they really don't know what they're doing how how do they commit the world's biggest crime and not know that they're doing it how 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 could the Jews be present who had nothing but prophecies forever and ever and ever and ever? How could they have such anticipation of a king and a savior? How could they see all the miracles and the signs that he did and still not equate that this could very well be the Messiah and we should stop? How? How? How can you give a warning to say that the kingdom of God is here and is coming And show it with great signs. And no one ever adjusts or moves but keeps trying to live the same way they've always lived. It would seem to me when somebody tells you that your life is coming to an end because you're hanging on a cross, that this might be the moment you start trying to adjust some things within yourself. No, we're going to do the same stuff we've always done. Worrying about the wrong stuff we need to be worrying about God. In the house of God you is in God's house worried about other things besides God on a day like today with warnings and, and all of y'all with the exception of Dante did I get that right know me and I know you you know I'm not lying you know I don't work for the FBI the CIA to get that kind of information I stay at home, I read, I watch news, I pray, and I come to church. It's my whole life. Right? Pet my dogs. That's about it. That's all I got going on. So, even when he's right there and a physical example of something miraculous that God had to do to give you warning, you will still focus on things that have nothing to do with God. In his house. Yes, I'm livid because no matter how many times I try to pull you away from your flesh and your selfish desires, you are adamant to keep going back. I mean, just, I could give grace after grace and let you stay in this church when I shouldn't because you are contaminating members within my house and it's only my love for you that says let's keep working it out but if your disease of lust keeps traveling throughout my church it is my responsibility to tell you to go that's biblical but my love for you says let's keep working it out only for you at a time like this to be sitting in his house worrying about yourself what you gonna eat who you gonna date what job you gonna get? What kind of money you gonna make? You could do that after service. What is wrong with you? How much more do you need for God to show you that this stuff is real? You and I don't deserve this type of warning. Did you did you do something great in God where He should He should tell you? Have you been living so right that He must tell you because that's how you've been living your whole life? No no not at all and maybe the warning isn't because we've been so great maybe it's because we've been so wrong and you're too self-involved to recognize that maybe you don't have it as right as you think not many can clap they're a little they're a little sore everybody in this house has been stuck stuck in sin right everybody you remember when you were really stuck in sin and you knew you needed to get out but you couldn't quite get yourself out and you remember do you remember looking for that grand event that you could feel that would just really just rip that thing away from you. Do you remember looking for that? Yeah. That wonderful altar experience, yeah. that shaking in the spirit, that dream, that vision, yeah. that word. You crave for an event that would just knock you back into the right standing. Yeah. Yeah. This is it. This is it. Whether well, he comes back today or 2,000 years from now, this moment is your moment. Where the scriptures of God have been laid bare before you the end of days in your generation while you're breathing. You're not looking hindsight. You're not looking maybe up there. It's right there in your day. This is your moment. And you're going to squander it. Don't you think you need all the help you can get? Weren't you looking for something that would say, finally, this is what I need you just be passionate about God and forget everything else. This is your doggone moment. And look at how you look looking. I always needed to evangelize. No, I'm just going to let my life tell it. You ain't got time to let your life tell nothing. Get out there and be like, do you know Jesus? Yeah. You may not have time for all of that. What is wrong with you? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. While well, Jesus on the cross, one of the cr- criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly. For we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. This conversation perplexes me. Okay. Three people dying. Right. Punishment. For wrongdoing all right and I don't want to look at the the broad scheme of sin okay in their lives just whatever crime they did okay Jesus being the only one that committed no sin or no crime these other two criminals they went to court they were judged found guilty and now this is the punishment after that can you see how this is supposed to reflect something larger after the judgment day now they have to deal with the sentencing which is to die upon a cross when one criminal hears that everybody's saying oh i thought you were the christ he finds an opportunity to say this aren't you the son of god then save yourself and me too first of all the man actually believed he was the christ aren't you then save you and me that makes sense doesn't it cuz if i had to save your the world sitting beside me maybe you're not catching it let's let's look at let, this is like the contentment thing we just did a second ago yeah i would i'd be like jesus no hold on let me finish and let me oh lord Let's put in comparison, the other criminal, the other criminal identifies. He says, what is wrong with you? We're under the same condemnation. What he's saying is we both dying for doing something wrong. What is wrong with you? And I was like, yeah, what's wrong with him? What he's highlighting is at the point of death, you still haven't figured out the purpose of life. At the point of death, you still haven't figured out why you are sitting beside the Christ on the tree. Mm -hmm. At the point of death, you have not looked over your life and recognized how you got here and why you got here and what you need. And you still think at the point of death, you need to live more years. At the point of death, you think the solution is give you more years. Give me more years. Save yourself and me so we can keep living that's that's what that's the solution that's gonna fix it, Come on, you preach it now. really it would appear to me similar to a criminal mindset that you're always looking for how you could benefit from something yes. and not only that even though you know Jesus is the Son of God you do not know him in a way to know what he is for, to you. And to you, he's just another way to get something you want. Oh my God. He's just another way. I know you're the son of God. Bless me. I know, I know you're Jesus. I know you're Jesus. Save me from this problem. I know, I know you're the Christ. Rescue me from myself. Save me from the consequences of my own actions. Come save me because I know you're the Christ. And in your entire life, now that it's coming to an end, the only thing you know about Christ is that He exists and He's only here to save you from your temporary problems. That's the nature of your relationship usury. And don't act like it's not the case, because I see how you use so many people. Jesus. And it just escalates until you're using God himself. Jesus. And you don't even, the man didn't even recognize what he was doing wrong. He was like, yeah, if you're the son of God, save me. You, I mean, you too, save me and you. So the other criminal says, bruh, do you not even fear God? What does fear have to do with it? When you come to the end of your life and you're getting ready to die, do you still not think that this is the moment you need to come clean with everything you've done, that you need to stop handling your life the way you've been handling it, that you need to stop shucking and jiving, trying to finesse your way, use your words, use your tears. I mean, you use everything you can to get what you want and now you're coming to the end of your life and you still don't recognize you need to stop using everything you can to get what you want. you use anybody tell anybody some lie. Oh, yes. change the story a little bit change the story a lot a bit whatever you could do to get what you want and this man is doing it as he's taking his last breath. Oh, Lord. Lord, have mercy How do you get to that point where you could have God in front of you and still don't know him. How do you get to the point where you believe in Jesus, but don't know him? How do you get to that? One man said, look, I deserve this. i come to the end of this or what I am going, it's like a valiant warrior. You know, I'm I'm a stand and fight to my last breath. Can you please let me go? Nobody likes that in the the movies, the one groveling for their life. Nobody likes that. That's you. At the very last moment let me get what I can let me get what I can here's a great idea and you're so opportunistic that the thought to try to figure out how to get what you want happens so fast yeah. and I try to stop you I try to say hey quit reaching over there just to be right stop listen my words are not because I'm trying to argue with you my words are because I'm trying to minister to you because your heart has a hard time listening Your heart doesn't listen. Your ears do, but your heart doesn't. So then I say, shh, stop. I say left, you say right. I say up, you say down. Stop doing that. I am not here to oppose you. I am here to assist you. And so when my words feel like they oppose you, they're supposed to be ministering to you to get you over here with me, not me over there with you. Now how that's gonna look? You right now, I'm agreeing with you. Then you need to be the pastor. Because you really want a pastor that's always wrong. But you're so busy trying to prove it. Sitting in church. I mean, she shouldn't have said it like that because I mean I feel like that was out of order. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, keep going. Keep going. Oh, I love it. I love it. Prove me wrong and see where that gets you. Get you nowhere. Because the one person God sent in flesh to assist you to get to heaven, you just tore down on purpose so that you might have a little bit of self-aggrandizement. Because humility was too much to ask. This is not to say I'm always right. This is to say that what you think you're winning, you're not winning. You're not. Ooh. Right. Why is everybody so happy? Because some of them is good. It's, it's like p- good, painful medicine. It's like because it's, it's burning, I think it's working. Because <laughs> it's tingling, I really think it's working. Because it's hurting, I really feel like it's, it's doing what it's supposed to do. I just feel like it's working because, ooh, ooh, that's nasty. Ooh, this must be working, this must be good. Lord says, you're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) The other thief said, we, we here, we getting what are we, what we're supposed to get. And if you know him then you know, he didn't do nothing wrong. Like why are you over here huffing and puffing on this cross? And you know that he hasn't done anything wrong and you believe that he's the Christ shouldn't that make you go well why is he hanging upon the tree right. if not for the love of you and I at least the only thing I could do is beg for his mercy please forgive me and remember me I own up to, to what I've done not I thought you would forgive me why does it still feel like you don't love me It's because you associate ease with love But ask minister Hudson, love is in difficulty. That was good. The strength of a marriage is in the difficulty that you can endure. Come on, you talking good. It's the truth. It's the truth. You know, good. you know that's good. You know that's good. You know that's good. Come on, You know that's good. Hallelujah. You want me to go keep want me going on that point some more? This is why you have a hard time receiving love. It's because you always felt that love should be easy. And when love got hard for you to show, you walked out, you ran away, you left it. Hello, somebody. So now when somebody goes through something hard in order to love you, you feel like, why are you doing all that? What's your motive? I don't understand. You should have been dropped me by now. You should have let me go. You should have cut me off. And they're like, no, I will endure this pain because I absolutely love you. And there's no other way for you to know that I love you unless you see me endure this for my love for you. There's no other way. So if you're the thief on the cross, you look at him taking his last breath, struggling, people mocking him and accusing him. All for me. And I say, I deserve this. Just thank you. Remember me. Golly. 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 Now we got a problem. How do we make sure we're not the thief that was bad and are the thief that was good? Because apparently you can get to the end of your life and not really know. Because they're both criminals. Do you understand? If they had figured it out before they became criminals, they wouldn't be on the tree. Right? (laughs) They both did the same level of wrong. (laughs) to the point of judgment, but somebody's insides was different than another person's insides, even though they did the same, how we do the same dirt and you got a different outlook than me, how we do the same sin and you, and you feel different than me, how we go through the same stuff and you love God different than me. I don't understand this. It's a problem. And apparently, this story is here because you can have this problem till you take your last breath. I've been by bedsides of people that have taken their last breath. This whole some are great and glorious and some are not so much. Where well, the only reason I've been called in to your bedside is because you have an epiphany that God has revealed as you're taking your last breath, all the things that you need to get right in your heart. And I am called in to assist you in unraveling all of your shoulda, coulda, wouldas, all of your regrets, and then to encourage you to believe that at the unloading and acknowledgement of all of this dirt that you've done and what you've become to encourage you that the Lord still wants to save you. I know two phone calls when people are dying. Wow. Two, two types. That's the only two types. I'm either one here to help you to be healed and delivered or two to make your transition to glory easier. That's the only reason people call me in. If I come in on a third, because you're not even conscious and I'm really just here to soothe the family. So I know that people can live their whole life, come to the point of last breath, and think they're still right and be wrong Jesus. and know they're wrong and trying to get it right. Jesus. When you start seeing that, it affects how you live. Yeah. But how do we make sure we're on the the right the right one? Right. Especially if we all doing the same dirt. Right. Right. Go to Acts chapter 13, verse 48. Acts 13, 48. So now this is a level, there's a question about salvation. Right? Because if, if I'm on the right side, then I'm saved. And I'm opening my eyes in paradise with the Lord soon as I, uh, soon as I shut them. He says, this day. Right? If I'm not, then I wasn't saved. And my result is like a lake of fire. So how do, I, how do I know over the course of my life and if we know that salvation is not based off of works, which means there's not enough good I can do to, or, in order to earn my salvation, then really, how would I? And if I, if I can't tell that I'm, 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 I'm saved by the, how many blessings that I get, because Satan can bless me, then how will I? how will I know? My good doesn't tell me, my bad doesn't tell me, the good that comes to me doesn't tell me, and the bad that comes to me doesn't tell me. How will I know? How will I know that me believing that you are the Christ equals me knowing you? Yeah. Yes. Right. And me just not knowing about you. Yeah. Cause you can know a whole list of things about yeah. and believe that that's true, but you still don't know him. Yes. Yes. Knowing that he is the God that is overseeing this war is true, right? Mm-hmm. Knowing his capabilities and that is above me is also true, but knowing his heart as a father, You got to know him to see that. You got to know him past all of the, the sadness that's on the earth. And your only concern is how the person you love feels. So I tell the Lord, wherever you are and how you're everywhere at all times, if you want a moment to be praised in the midst of this chaos, come by my room. If you want a moment to be lifted up in the midst of everybody cursing you because this war is about religion and, and cursing you and, and why doesn't God save me from the rubble and why doesn't God, if you want a moment of reprieve from any of that, come to my room, I love you. I adore you, you're a great God. You're amazing, you're wonderful, you're worthy of all praise, still, still. And I'm so sorry, forgive us for our hatred, forgive us for our rebellion, forgive, and I just pour it just in case he wants to be present. I got a feeling he did (laughs) are you there acts 1348 and when the Gentiles heard this they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed stop right there this scripture uh, covers a problem am I saved based off of my belief Or am I saved because he appointed me to salvation? Because if I want to know how it's going to end when I'm on the cross then it's about my salvation and since both of them were thieves and did dirt and do good and did dirt and did good. Some here and there, right? Then what made the difference in their salvation? So how are we saved? Am I saved because you said I'm saved? So now I'm going to be the one that's going to go to heaven? Or am I saved because I believe in who you are and I yeah. repent?ed so now I'm going to go to heaven. We don't even know. Mm-hmm. And most denominations and churches lean to one side or the other. Am I right? Yeah. When we choose to lean towards the side that says, you know, it's more about God choosing us then there's some problems that can come with that do you understand those same individuals and those same churches also could run into problems that say uh, where is it yeah when we lean to the side that says we're saved because of God's will and predestination then we run into other problems in our lives we begin to believe that life in Christ seems much seems much the same as any good person's life but with the benefit of an eternal life insurance policy the initial step or indication of salvation such as water baptism and confirmation or applying for church membership receives more attention than the ongoing process of growth we start to believe that the role of the holy spirit in empowering and disciplining believers for the godly living receives little attention we believe that god's plans become more his than ours to fulfill The need for evangelists and missionaries and counselors and for good teaching and apologetics and theology is downplayed. Parents and church leaders take somewhat fatalistic approach towards spiritual life of family and church members and outsiders. Immorality, addictions, and long-term sin are treated as reminders that we are just human. Remorse seems a sufficient step of repentance. God's promises and reassurances are applied unconditionally The fight against evil becomes more a societal than a personal battle, especially in view of God's ultimate victory. Self-examination seems a needless flirtation with guilt. The judgmental label thwarts attempts to reprove and correct flagrant sin. And the Christian label may be broadly applied to those who serve the community or the church who express kindness, generosity, and pleasantness. When we lean towards one that is mostly God's will that saves us, then we have very little responsibility, without any consideration of 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 the conditions of that agreement. That's just that's just a byproduct. Yeah. It's not that we're teaching that. It's just what comes out of human beings when we live in that on that side. Oh, this is got challenging. Don't worry. I'm, I'm don't, don't worry. I got you. Now, when we lean on the other side that says we're saved based off of our own belief, then that means it's us heavy, right? Like, I believe, I go to church, and this is some of the problems that come with that. Then life seems increasingly exhausting and draining rather than joyous and fulfilling, right? Fear nags us. Fear that one has not done enough good things or fear that one has, not, has done too many bad things or both. Doubt nags us. Supernatural gifts of the Spirit seem more important than the fruit of the Spirit because they appear to attest more dramatically by the Spirit's indwelling presence and to God's approval. Conformity to certain behavioral patterns, non-essential scripture interpretations or rules of conduct and spiritual expression become more important validations of salvation. That means just being more religious. Teaching focuses on God's standards and justice than on his mercy and assurance of salvation seems a dangerous door to temptation. The distinction between justification and sanctification appears blurred emotional expression whether the glum extreme or the happy extreme is taken as a sign of spirituality prayers implore instant deliverance from immorality addictions and other long-term problems and ailments shame lingers and seems some form of uh, anesthetic weaknesses and struggles must be hidden from self and others or attributed to Satan's attacks. The letter of the law receives more attention than the spirit of the law. Perfect obedience rather than daily spiritual growth becomes life's goal. Paris teachers and church leaders often seek control and justify it. Fear of wrongdoing chooses choices leads to Uh, Preference for signs, strongly enforced prohibitions, and relinquishing choice to others, especially to authority figures. These are just some of the things that happen when it's us heavy. The issue is that church has always had a problem trying to determine if we're saved by what we do saved by his predestination so no matter what we do we're going to be saved anyway right Right. we've always had a hard time trying to bring those together because to us they seem contradictory yes and they are here okay they are contradictory here but as we're gonna look next year when it comes to dimensionality God does not live in this time and space, does he? No. All right, he at least lives in at least one more dimension than us, at least one, scientists have proved 11, okay? Scientists have proved 11, right? But we can agree that there's at least one, right? So if he lives one dimensionally different than us, one timeline different dimensionally than ours, then what we, don't, what we have is not a, a contradiction, but a paradox, okay? A paradox says that from sight, this does not look like it could ever go together, right? But realistically, apart from that, it can if you change the view, all right? So if we change the view and recognize that here, yes, these two two things are contradictory, but in God's uh, uh, um, uh, dimension, it very well could be both. You do choose, and I do choose you. Still confused a little bit? I'm gonna try one more thing to help. I'm gonna try one more thing to help clear it up. If not, I gotta leave it and we'll have to do it next year, okay? Okay, one thing. Our time, because our universe is four-dimensional. Length, width, height, right? That's three, right? This is a three-dimensional box, yes? Length, width, depth, height, right? But this particular box, is at this location at this time. Last year, it was not here, right? So then the fourth dimension of our world, our reality, on all of our galaxy, is time. So they measure it like length, width, and height. It's just standardized events. If you go lengthwise to the right, if there's no hindrance, can't you go lengthwise to the left? Okay, because it's just a dimension. Up down right left right it's just a dimension if time is also just a dimension right then as long as there's no hindrance you should be able to move in time one direction or another direction or different direction or that direction or no direction because it's just a dimension we are a four-dimensional world and our timeline has a boundary right we can't go back <laughs> <hope> you <laughs> to <not. laughs> walk over there, I'm gonna go change that. <laughs> nope, can't change it. Mm. Nope, nope. Our time boundary only goes in one direction, in our dimension. Because for us, time is a sequence of passing, of passing events. events. If you remove the idea of sequence, then we just have events, yeah. right? So if God has a dimension that is higher than ours, then realistically, he can just pick events and it does not matter whether they're in sequence or not. So you can believe and he could also choose you. Yes. Yeah. That's good. That's good. That's good. If you just add one more dimension. Okay, I'm going to flush that out some more next year, Lord willing, okay? To really show you, oh my goodness, all right? It's mathematical, okay? Okay. All right, but not today. But I was just hoping that might help you swallow that other part, okay? That it's a paradox, which means no, we cannot see it here, but it doesn't mean that it does not exist, yes? From a different vantage point or a different view, yes? Amen. A lot of the things that are contradictions are really paradoxes, and we're gonna look at that a lot next year, amen? Amen. Okay. Okay, how you feel? there are a ton of scriptures that show that we are we are saved by what we believe and we're saved by his will just an absolute ton of them right uh, Genesis 13 11. I'll give you the ones that are dual where one verse sh- says both how about that I'm not gonna give you all of them because it's over a hundred okay I'm just gonna give you some of them and you can use your reference guides to find the rest yes so some of them that are both in the same verse, Job 38, 36, I'll give you some Old Testament. Psalms 33, 8, 22. Isaiah 55, 6 through 11. Jeremiah 17, 5 through 10. Now that's just a few Old Testament. Let me give you some New Testament. You ready? Matthew 10, 22. Luke twenty-two, twenty-one. John ten twenty-six. All right. Uh, let's give you some epistles. Acts 17, 24 through 28. Romans 11 25 through chapter 12, verse 2. Romans eleven twenty-five 25 through chapter 12, verse 2. Let me give you some. Uh, and toward the end of the book, (laughs) Jude, one through four. (laughs) And there are a ton of scriptures, there's like over 100 plus scriptures that could say either way, okay, all right? So how, how did both of these things work together? How can we do both and what does that say to us? Now, in order to imagine how both of these things can happen at the same time where It's his predestination, and it's our faith. Do you understand? And we have to go to another dimension for that. Our brain stops right there. It just Because we cannot imagine anything that we have not already imagined. We just can't. You try to imagine another dimension? You cannot, because you don't know anything that you do not know that is right here. So it's like uh, mm -mm. So this is what I propose that we're going to do. We're going to simplify Okay, the idea of God's will and predestination and our will, okay, and our faith. We're going to simplify it in a schematic, which means a drawing. Okay, this is just a simp- an oversimplified possibility of how God's predestination and our faith can exist simultaneously within the course of our lives. Amen. Does everybody understand what we're doing? Okay, is this how it works? No. But it might be something like this in a much deeper, broader, and more dimensional way. <laughs> Do you understand what we're doing? Yeah. Okay, on your paper, give me an x-axis and a y-axis. To anybody that mean give me just a left, a, a, a line that look like a L, like this, give me that. Give me your one of them, like, like that, like, like this, like that. All right. Uh-huh. You ain't gonna be laughing at my drawing today, cause I came pre-drawn. <laughs> okay, all right. So on your x-axis, x-axis, all right, it's time. Moving out that way, on your y-axis it's Christ likeness moving up that way time from left to right Christ likeness from down to up yeah you got it okay all right each step we take towards Christ likeness is what this is right steps towards Christ likeness, right? Okay. Each step we take towards Christ likeness also does something for us. Each decision to accept and act upon his his life, his will, God's will, strengthens God's influence in us. Let me do it again. Each step we take in trying to do God's will strengthens God's influence in our lives as we take a step towards up look we get a we get a strengthening of God's influence upon our lives yes each time right take another step a stronger influence of God yes Take another step. What do you think? A stronger influence of God. Every time we obey or move closer to the Father, every time we try to get closer to Him, it increases God's influence, which is what you want, right? right. When He say no, you be like, ooh, "Ooh, I hear you. Okay, right?" Versus no, is that you? Is that me? See, Mm-mm, that's not right. Okay. So every step we take upwards increases God's influence upon our lives. Now there are only three entities within these diagrams. There's God's will, your will, and Satan's will. That's the only three. There's only influence from God, influence from you and influence from Satan. That's it. All your decision making only has three aspects of influence. God, you, or Satan. Yes? Or oh, you got that part? Yeah. Okay, so this also means that the the reverse is true. Yes? Each step we take <laughs> each step we take, right? Uh, towards uh, the uh, less Christ likeness increases the influence of Satan's will on our lives. All right. Yeah. Let's do that one. So we're we're doing really good with God and we say, you know what? I'm just going to get this right quick for myself. All right. So that, that decision to go away from Christ likeness has a greater influence of Satan. The next one has an even stronger influence of Satan. The next one has a stronger. Do you understand? Right. Yes. All right. Cool so when we're moving up towards Christ likeness right we are also inadvertently decreasing Satan's uh, influence Ooh-oh. Does that make sense yeah okay so the the length of the line says the strength of that influence right Okay, you got that part? Yes? Alrighty, cool. If we're going away from God, right? Then it also means that the strength of God's influence in our lives does what? Decreases. Decreases. Exactly. Oh, I just don't feel like doing the Jesus thing right now. All right? So then the strength of God's influence in our lives decreased. Pretty simple, yes? yes. Okay, now, let's look at all of that together. Amen? Because yes. we'd all hope we got for so far we've only looked at influences separately. Right. Okay? Let's look at what happens when we put them together. Because that, that's, really, that's what it really is. All right. So we'll use a red line. For god's influence the middle will use blue which is our influence right and the last one will use black which is satan's influence okay do you see that so in this one decision this one choice that has a propensity to change us because on this side, we're trying to go towards more Christ-likeness, right? Up, right? Okay, so on the decision we first made, I want to be more like God in this decision, all right? So I get some God influence, yes? And I get some me, I chose it a little bit, my influence, right? And Satan's influence, way, way down, okay? All right. The next. That means the next one I could have. Uh, God's influence I could have God's influence right and then my influence because it worked last time right and then Satan's influence getting smaller yes So the first decision, I had to overcome a lot of Satan's influence, right? And I chose my will to go in the same direction as God's influence, right? On the next decision, God's influence was smaller because I always picked the right one the last time and going with my heart made sense, so I'm going to do it again. So now it's a lot of me, even smaller amount of Satan, and about roughly the same or a little of God, right? Okay, this is all going great, don't you think? We're going in a move, we're moving in a good direction. On the next decision, all right, that we make, we get even more God. Boom. Yes. A little bit of us, even less Satan. A little bit of us, less Satan. All right? And it keeps going in that direction until we get a whole bunch of God. Right? A little bit of us we're blue sorry and a little bit of satan yes that's what you want because this means in time as you're making decisions you are being changed and it requires very little influence huh of god to cause you to keep going and you have very little influence of yourself, and very—you can't even respond. It's so little that it's hard for you to respond to Satan or yourself because your God's influence is so great. Yeah. That's how people mature. The like, oh, pastor—it's it's different for you because you're the pastor. No, it's different for me because I got a lot of influence with God at this point and very little self, and hopefully, very little Satan. But that happened over time, and that time was measured out in terms of my choices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Alright? Because All right? whether you're choosing or not, you're choosing. Or uh-huh. right, what I like to say is if you don't choose, somebody will choose for you. Yeah. Depending on what side of this equation you're on, it's either Satan or God. So uh good luck with that. Somebody's gonna choose for you. Yeah. Yes? okay so that's moving towards God and then you can see the opposite do I need to draw that out, or do you understand it if we go away from God then we start running into the problem where we get smaller and smaller smaller amounts of God influence greater 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 amounts of us the one thing here is that a I want to show you this one situation it's more more true to what our life looks like a bunch of ups and downs yes All right so on this we're trying to move Christ like apparently we don't even know okay but let's just hypothetically since we're all Christian ish say (laughs) we're either Christians or Christian ish okay say that we're moving towards Christ likeness okay so now we're about to make a decision oh my god I just feel like God is really telling me that I need to do this and you're so super excited that God is telling you something you're like yes Let's do it, right? And this also means with these two influences, we have very little Satan. That's great, right? So, in the next choice, boom, we get more God, right? And then we're moving in the right direction. A little bit of us, and a little bit of Satan. Now we're like, oh, yeah, we like this. We like this God thing. Yeah? It ain't about me, it's about the Lord, okay? ain't about me, it's about the Lord. Oh, we on, we on a roll now because we're moving up. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. We're still moving in the up direction. We on a roll, okay? Then after that, oh, we loving it now. We got so much God this is so easy. I don't know why nobody just gets it. I don't understand why people don't understand how it's not about us. It's about God. Like, when are we going to get that through our heads? And so we have so, we don't even care about us. It ain't even about me at all. Okay. I do not care what they do. It's about the Lord. And I don't know why other people can't get this. And Satan over here trying to say something, you like, huh? You don't even hear him. Okay. You, your your will low because you're moving up right and you just had a big burst of god god's influence hits you hard you're like in that wave that's what i'm talking about i knew it was all about god bump me ain't about me it's about him and then your influence way low satan like what's up you be like Shh, i don't even hear you it's going great yes until until we got a bit of a problem yes we're supposed to be going this way, yeah, but we're going that way. That's not right. Somehow that's not right, okay? So what's just happened here is when it comes to God, he still wants us to go in his direction, right? God still wants us to go in his direction. He's like, hey, what's up? We were just raising the roof the other day, right? But we're like, "Um, I don't really want to do that. Yeah, like that's not what I'm into today. I feel like I've overdone it with the Jesus thing. I don't know what your excuse is, right? So then you decide to pull yourself. Come on, man, what are you doing? Stop. Everybody, stop. (sighs) You decide to go this way, right? And it didn't take much Satan persuasion, okay? There's a joy in this. Is this big jump where God was heavily influenced and you were a little bit influenced, what it did, because the next direction should be similarly, now you should be going like this, right? After this, you should be going down. But because you made a choice here under God's huge influence and put yourself way down here, he's going to be able to do so much more of an influence to get you back up do you understand this is great for those who have great highs with God and great lows it's showing you how he actually uses it it shows you how you can use it when you really are sold out and then you're like how did I do that I thought I was really sold out for God I don't even know what happened I was on, on a straight path and then I bloop all right but those great decisions where you're really sacrificing to the Lord and you're heeding his great influence so when you do make a bad mistake right that influence is still so great that when he shows back up at the same level, all you got to do is just do the same level of willing that you had the last time. And you start going in the right. You don't got to do more. Same level. Right? And you'll start going, trending back in the upward direction. Amen? Amen? Come on. Bless the name of the Lord. Okay. So that is an example, a systematic way of looking at a couple of things. Yes? Yes. Let's go to Romans chapter one before we leave today. It's a basic illustration of how God's will, good. Real good. His influence, impacts your, impacts your life. How your will and that influence, how strong your will is, and how strong Satan's will and His influence in your life. Yeah, and how it influences choices. Because every choice you have, three entities working to influence your choice. Let me try it again. Every choice. You make, you have three entities trying to influence your decision. You've got you, you've got God, and you've got Satan. Hello? All right. Are you there at Romans chapter 1? Skip forward to verse 16. (laughs) When you're there, say amen. Amen. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. It's a wonderful statement. He's saying that I'm not embarrassed of the idea that Christ died on the cross, right, for my sins. I love it because it is that power that shows me and causes me to believe through my love relationship with God that salvation is for me. Cause he showed me his love through pain and sacrifice. It was clearly seen when it was the hardest because he was the perfectest, right? And he suffered the most. None of us will ever have to suffer the way he suffered. Yeah. Right? right? For in it is righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it's written, the, the righteous shall live by faith. I love the idea that the stair step, as you keep allowing yourself to move towards Christ's likeness, you get to see how much God was right. Hello? I try to tell people, they're like, Pastor, I don't know why I didn't listen to you. I don't know either, because each choice I keep trying to show you <laughs> under God's sway how I was right. <laughs> right? And at some point, some people say, Okay, I'm just going to listen to Pastor. Exactly. Okay? Exactly. Exactly. All right? Because at each point that your influence was so little, I could show you, right? And so God is saying the same thing. As you move from faith to faith, like, I don't know how it's going to work, but I'm just going to trust God. I don't know if this is really what God wants me to do, but I feel like he's leading me in this direction. Every time you do that towards Christ's likeness even when you thought it was something else and your influence was going in the wrong direction just a little bit, his pull was so great that you can go, ah. That's why he said it. That's what, that was so right for me. That was so right. I dodged a bullet. That was so good. That was exactly what I needed to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yes? Yeah. And in this day and age, the righteousness of God is needed because when we see wars and innocent people dying, the question is of God's righteousness, yeah. which we're going to look at next year. <laughs> Lord willing. We're going to look at why God permits evil and suffering. And the possibility of why he created a hell. And why does he send his creation to it? I'm gonna look at that next year. Because <laughs> these are real questions apparently in the last days that people out there really need. And you need to be able to explain this to them. Yeah. Right? Yeah? Is it possible that he, it is really that time? And he wants to equip you? Work out your weak areas, number one. <laughs> Your foundation ain't that solid, all right? And then number two, <laughs> equip you. Yes? All right. I love when I can see where God is going, don't you guys? I'm like, oh my God, you're doing the thing, right? And I don't know it till moments like this. I'm like, oh, that's why we're looking at that. All right, cool. Um, verse 18, are you there? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth okay back up so because of my unrighteousness because of the bad stuff I do I hide the truth right this is about belief right God's our faith and God's uh, predestination yes how did this how did this thief get to the point where he knew that he was God, but, but nothing in him changed to the point where he really understood and wanted changed from the inside out. How is he still the same after encountering Christ himself? How are we still the same after getting saved? How? This is trying to show us. You ready? Yeah. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. In essence, what about the people that don't believe in God? I mean, they're just going to die. According to this scripture, everybody, before they have to die, will have an understanding clearly of who God is. So it doesn't matter if you suppressing the truth in your unrighteousness that you can't tell him I didn't know you did know and he's showing you your staircase decisions that continue to suppress the truth because it didn't happen overnight right just like growth doesn't happen overnight degradation doesn't happen overnight right for although they knew God here's something else our responsibility again they did not honor him as God that's exactly what the man on the cross was doing I know it's God but you know, you're not even treating him the way you're supposed to be treating him. Yeah. You don't know your relationship to him. You're supposed to honor him. How in the world are you worried about the consequences of your sin in front of a holy God? Yeah. You're not honoring him like he's God. you should be like, oh, my Lord, I shouldn't be beside you. Oh, Jesus. I'm trying to scoot over on the cross. I'm just going to lean over here. It's fine. It's fine. I shouldn't even be beside you like this. Right? Don't even honor him. And when people say, sorry, a little, little tangent. When people say, Well, why would, I can't believe in a God that sends people to hell into eternal damnation. I mean, I really want to ask them, is it possible that you have a misconstrued concept of the danger and the degradation and toxicity of sin? If a good God could decide hell because of sin, then maybe what you think sin is, is a lot worse than what it is. If a good God that creates all this beautiful stuff, sun, cloud, you like it sometimes. It's amazing, right? But then there's this hell thing. May, and you go to hell if you sin. Or maybe your concept of how detrimental and toxic and bad eternally sin can be is off. Because you think it's just, oh, I like messed up. Hello? For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So now their thoughts are just running in circles. Hearts just dark. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. I mean, I believe there's a higher power, you know, the universe and energies and the vibe and, you know, in exchange, I mean in exchange, I could go on and on in that, in that in that vein. They come at me like they're so smart, you know. I mean, I get it, you're like a spiritual teacher, you know what I'm saying? Cause I'm a spiritual person. What? I'm not like a spiritual. I mean, because that's your job is to like motivate people. What? <laughs> Have you been to my church? <laughs> I demotivate people all the time. <laughs> they can come in so happy and leave so sad. <laughs> Have you been to my church? <laughs> <laughs> claiming to be wise they become fools and exchange the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things it's that mortal man part yeah. the issue is that when God is supposed to be esteemed of this this high you make him like you yeah. I wouldn't do that to anybody yeah. I wouldn't do that to my children I wouldn't yeah. do that you know so you make him so like you Hello. He's in a whole other dimension, baby. Right. Therefore, God gave him up in the lust of their hearts. Okay, so look at this. I I want you to look at these couple of verses. Okay. For the wrath of God is revealed for what can be known. uh, uh, So that people, people can believe without excuse. All right. That's verses 18 through 19. Verse 21 says they knew God, but they didn't honor him as God and the hearts were darkened. Okay. Then they claim to be wise, but we fools. And then they changed the glory of God to something that they could understand because they don't like the idea of having to believe in something they can't understand. Therefore, God gave them up to the lust. I want you to see the steps down, and apparently there is a threshold. I, I don't have my... We can't go into it today. It's just far too much, but if you have questions about it, we can look at it Wednesday night or next year. Um. (laughs) What? What? Apparently, there is a threshold. And that threshold is called justification. So there's so much you do in going down that at some point, therefore God gave you up. There's a threshold of going down, right? There's a threshold of going up. At some point, as we saw, as you began to lean more towards God's impact on your life, then it became easier. Your will was less than God and Satan's influence was less. You had crossed a threshold, right? Now the problem that we have to determine next year is can you go, can you cross that line multiple times? Can you go threshold, threshold, or just threshold, done. <laughs> I, 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 by definition, threshold would mean done. Okay, just if you wanted to know. All right, but it's his done, not yours. All right, claiming to be wise, they became fools. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged. Here's another thing they did: the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who was blessed forever amen so they hid the truth then they exchanged it I, I, that's not the kind of God I serve like the God that I serve allows and understands and yada 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 right because you know I, I couldn't serve a God so now you got to be like you and, and to me God is I love when people tell me that to me God is what does that mean who cares about your opinion? Do you have any sign or miracle to back that up? <laughs> Why should I listen? Why should you listen to you? All right? <laughs> right? When you go write your Bible, Minister Hudson said, "Which one of these epistles is yours?" Saint Tamika, is that you? No, no, no. I don't. I don't think so. All right. He says, "Then for this reason, God gave them up to." Dishonorable passions, okay. It's like we do something, then he does something. Then we act like we don't like it, then he act like, okay, fine, you don't like it. Each time, all he's doing is tur- is turning us over to the very thing that we wanted. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. Stop right there. It seems odd to me that out of all the midst of this, God giving you up that we are gonna talk about homosexuality. Yeah. I mean, it could be like any sin. Why, why didn't he say lying, you know? or why, how we go to homosexuality? Because your bodies reveal a truth about how God created you. Your body does, not your personality, right? Not your thoughts of yourself, your opinion of yourself, yes? Your body represents what He said He wanted you to have. right? So by the time you're willing to go against, The actual body you have means that you're willing to go against any truth, even your own truth and evidence to yourself. That's why it's so easy to go on that vein. That's why we see so much of it because we're just, we went through a whole decade where truth was relative. And then all of a sudden homosexuality and, and and I don't know the rest of the words, bisexual, it's just just, all of a sudden just came out and everybody's doing it. It's like, what, what, what? And now you are lame if you're not into both sides. How did this, what? Because we just kept believing lies and wanted to believe the lies. Because when pastor told you to come to church and pay attention, (laughs) look at me in my eyeballs. I'm waiting. Look me in my eyeballs. Thank you. While I challenge you on these things, look up. Is because you have to be able to endure. If you can't endure looking at me when I'm telling you the scripture, how are you going to make it on judgment day? If this conversation makes you uncomfortable. I'm trying to show you, see how you. (laughs) 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 This your sign. (laughs) This is your indicator. Right? I get it. When something ain't right in my heart, I be like, oh, let me, mm-mm, mm-mm. Don't you start crying, mm-mm, I'll put, put them back in your ass. Yeah. But then you have to take courage. You gotta be like the other thief that says, I deserve this. I deserve this. this. This spanking I'm getting, oh, I deserve this. Cause this is true, hello? And even though it hurts, I'ma take every bit of it, just remember me remember me I'm not gonna shrink back now that I have to confront myself when I'm confronted with me I can't shrink back I gotta ask for change sit on now we're almost done and then we're out this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions we did that right and since they did not see fit and since they did not again our responsibility to acknowledge God God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. He just keeps letting every area of influence he had in your life, letting that go. Every area he could influence you with family, your thoughts, or heart, even your physical body, he just says, okay. And slowly but surely, as you're making decisions, stepping down from Christ-likeness, he is also letting go. At a certain threshold hello and since they did not see fit uh-huh verse 29 they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness evil covetousness malice they are all full of envy murder strife deceit maliciousness They are gossip slanderers haters of god insolent haughty boastful inventors of evil disobedient to parents foolish faithless heartless ruthless though they know god's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Jesus. These are people that know the truth, that were at some point being trained and reared in Christ's likeness. And this is how the mighty have fallen, this is how it's done. That's why I correct you in church service when I feel like you're not, you're not dialing in. Because this is what you need to make sure. I don't have no other time but this. And the times you call me. And I don't be liking taking them calls because you could have just listened today. <laughs> but now i got to reminister because you decided to harden your heart during the message. So I'm trying to like make my workload easy. Amen? Amen. So he just kept giving him up. Slowly but surely, every influence he had. What I see about the the criminal on the cross that that said, well, save save yourself and save me, it's a level of disdain in that because he said he riled at him. And it's the same anger. It's an anger you've always had towards God that makes you feel and it grows with every choice down, your anger against God grows. And I've seen this have to be unraveled in some of your hearts cause you didn't even know who you were mad at was God himself because he wanted certain choices and you didn't want those choices. And he, he declared certain things in your life that were painful. Y'all don't want to help me. He declared certain things that you felt like were unfair. You felt like you didn't deserve it. You felt like in comparison, it shouldn't be done. And that anger grew and it caused your decisions to be less Christ likeness and hardened of heart because you didn't think it was right. But your perspective and my perspective is so low. And whatever it was, we deserved it. Whatever it was, we earned it. Repentance, when you become a Christian, says, I know all my wrong. And I am deserving of death. If you're deserving of death, then I'm pretty sure within that spectrum, you're also deserving of other bad things. When you got saved, you said, I am deserving of death for these things. But then when you see bad things happen in your life, you get angry towards God. But you said you understood that the penalty of sin and how your heart, not Adam and Eve, yours. How you knew better and didn't do better. How you felt him and didn't move. You. And how that thing got away from you. And as it got worse and worse and worse, because you couldn't understand how to get yourself out, you just got angry. And now the whole system's got to be wrong in order for you to be right in your justification. You pinpoint things about scripture because you think you read something or saw it on some YouTube video. I'm so tired of y'all gonna give me TikTok YouTubes. Well, I was reading this man. He said, man, go to discipleship class. I don't know what to tell you. Okay, God. There's another way to learn. It's called reading a book. Because when you learn any other way, they decide. Somebody else decides the information for you. But when you go to a bookstore or a library, you get to pick what you think you want to read. You can flip the book over, read the intro like, mm, uh uh-uh, that sounds weird. I ain't reading that. Pick another one up rather than somebody just keep feeding it to you. If they feed it to you enough, you'll believe it. And then you'll get enslaved to it. Because now you don't know no other way to learn. People have literally came to tell me, say, Pastor, I don't like to read. That's like telling me I don't like to chew my food. What? (laughs) Don't your stomach hurt? God, you just, oh, you must be sick all the time. And you are. People that don't like to read the things of God, the word of God, and learn more about God, you are always spiritually sick. Check yourself. Go ahead, look. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Can you see, in proportion to how much you don't like to read, is in proportion to how much sin that you've seen in your life. It's proportionate, I wonder why. Ooh, my stomach hurt. Chew your food. Standing all over the house.